Hello, everyone. Today is October 7th, 2022. I am here today with Reverend Father Marcelenos Dubisi Obilo, CMF. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Reverend Father. Thank you so much. Good to have you. God bless you. God bless you. So, yeah, we before the recording you explained what is cmf yeah cmf is an acronym that defines me as a clarician and a clarician is or the clarician congregation is a missionary congregation that is founded by saint anthony mary claret in 1489 and the founder is St. Anthony Mary Claret in Spain, and we're over 173 years old in our missionary journey. And we are over 2,000 priests, 3,000 seminarians, we have lay collaborators, and also we have bishops, about 20 of them. So we are in five continents, and here in Nigeria, we are actually expanding. We are 49 years old in Nigeria. Wow. You know, as, as clarician. So anywhere you go to, you see a clarician. <laughs> <laughs> in Nigeria, yeah. anywhere so, you go? Yeah. So, and our missionary work is actually focused on evangelization, salvation of soul. And we do this apostolate using various means possible to realize this singular goal of salvation. We engage in pastoral work. We engage in, you know, teaching, retreat preaching, human development, formation, and media evangelization, and every other help that we offer as missionaries to make the human person better and to help everyone reach the beatific vision, which is heaven. So this is what we do. What? Thank you. Thank you so much. What? are some teachings you teach for evangelization? Yeah, the, the, the major teaching about, uh, about us as missionaries and the church is about salvation, which was brought to us by Jesus Christ himself. He is our Lord and our Savior. And he says in the scriptures, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we make effort to help people realize that Jesus is the way, and Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. So embracing Jesus, being a Christian, uh, will help to realize this mission of crystallization, evangelization, and making heaven after our journey here on earth. So this is what the church teaches, and this is what every clarician also does. You know, preaching Christ, preaching about salvation of, you know, the human person, the human race, and then helping people to, to be morally sound, to be, you know, the best they can be of themselves, and then to be friendly too with one another because... We are created in God's image and likeness. And if we live in peace and harmony with each other, then it becomes easier 
to realize that salvific mission, you know, the mission of uh, getting to heaven and being with God forever and ever. Yes, it is very difficult to move forward with that mission when people are angry with each other and yeah. not and not working together. Yes. And how did you become a part of the congregation? Um the the vocation to the priesthood is is a very you know should I say is is all all engrossing is all you know um all involving because from from my younger age in life I didn't plan becoming a priest you know I think what was more prominent and in in the gradation of my priorities I think I was more of um getting my my results ready and then getting into the university for for you know an engineering course yeah but along the way after my WAEC you know West what African is examination council you know so after taking my WAEC my final exams in secondary um i started experiencing you know deeper love for god and deeper zeal to serve as a priest and as a missionary so this this burning zeal was coming from within I made, you know, human and you know, human efforts to supp suppress it because it wasn't very clear to me, you know, because of the the age, and then I wasn't ready to share with anyone because the experience was personal, you know. So, yes. but while I, the more I put in my struggle to stop the the experience, the zeal, the passion, the the inmost desire for God and for his service, the more I make effort to stop it, the more it increases. So that was how, you know, the battle started. It was like a battle between myself and my vocation, between myself and God, you know. So while these things were happening, I discovered that I was more committed in prayer, reading my Bible, praying the rosary, and then asking so many questions. By then I was already working because after my, my WAEC exams, I got a job while waiting for my the result to be out. So I was already working and, and these things were happening. So I remember, I still remember vividly, one day I said, God, please help me to pass this, my, my final exam, because the first exam I took was withheld so i registered for another one wow. and and i now prayed and and asked god if you help me to pass my papers i will become a priest i will use it and enter the seminary and now deep within me too i was like thinking i could dribble god and i was saying oh if god grant me this favor I'm going to use it and run into the university. I'm not going to do all this priestly thing or whatever. So it was like kind of youthful vocation crisis experience. 
Yes. You know, somebody telling God something and promising God something. And at the same time, that if I succeed in getting that from God, I will not honor the promise. I will use it and do something else. So it was like a youthful experience that is full of um, confusion and indecisive, you know, experience. So youthful. when when I finally got my got my uh, exams cleared, uh, I was so happy and every effort to get into the university was not really progressive but a single attempt to enter the seminary you know everywhere just opened up it was like ah god has always been following me it's like god is really you know behind all this and then he wants me to get into the seminary and all that so within that period of my struggle i felt that you know listening to what god is saying from the experience entering the seminary will help me to discern properly what actually God needs me to do. So while I was working, I did uh, two years in a place called Abba in Abia State. I did two years there in my place of work. I was transferred to a place called Onicha in Anambra State in Nigeria. So when I was transferred there, I became the manager of uh, the company. It's, um, it's called Biko and Sons, the, 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 the deal in, uh, with um, cosmetics, you know. So I became the manager. And then, in fact, at the time I, I was made the manager, I started receiving letters of conferences from the seminary. I think about the three of them are declarations, the Songs of Mary, Mother of Mercy, and the Dominicans. And I started receiving their correspondences. I, I was writing to them. They were writing to me. So while I was working. So after two years experience there, I finally got admission into the seminary, declaration missionaries. So this is actually how it all happened. It wasn't a very smooth experience because it was not very clear to me. I've been here. I didn't plan to become a priest. I wasn't thinking about it, but God, through one or two or three experiences, led me into it. And I must tell you, I didn't make any mistake, you know, going for this, you know, vocation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. You didn't. And this is, you know, a brief version of the story. Yeah. You didn't make any mistake? No, no, I'm so happy and fulfilled in it. I'm, I'm really grateful that I took that bold step, you know, yes. into responding to God, yeah. It's not easy to take that yeah, step. Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. How was it for you and your family, that transition? Yeah, you know, when I told them I was going to the seminary, it was not really... Yeah, very easy for them to accept because they were not expecting that. You know, I was good in sciences. Uh, they they were also assisting me to get into the university. All of a sudden, I came up with the issue or the story of becoming a priest, entering the seminary. In fact, my dad particularly was quiet about it. He was just looking at me and imagining, you know, just to know whether I was serious and all that. 
you know, he didn't pay much attention until I told him that I have gotten admission and I was to resume on so-so-so date. So, oh, he said, ah, he didn't know I was serious. And then he prayed for me and blessed me, my mom and my siblings. They were all happy that, you know, I responded to the voice of God, you know, and I was going to serve God. So, you know, it's a, a rare privilege to be selected to serve God. So here in Nigeria, especially in Africa, you know, especially in Ibo land, the, the idea of being a priest, families appreciate it a lot because it's just like a, a holistic sacrifice to God. And being, you know, uh, offered to God as a priest, you know, so many parents, so many of our parents and siblings, they appreciate it a lot because for them it's really worth doing and it's a blessing, you know, that they are going to get from God. You know, so so they were so excited and they kept on praying for me throughout my priestly journey. You know, it's a very long journey, you know, 11 years in the priestly formation uh, after my high school, you know. Uh, you know yes. It's not, um, it's not a, a small journey, yeah. No, it's not a, it's a life journey. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's good that, you know, yeah. at first... Your your parents, your father doesn't know if you're serious or if you're in your youth yeah. questioning. Yeah. But over years, you're able to do more, make more serious steps, talk to more people, and get acceptance to the seminary, and be yeah. very, very very serious. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And so you said that. Families in Africa appreciate priests because they're very, they benefit the community. How do priests benefit the community in Nigeria and in Africa particularly? You know, um, a priest is, is just like a, a middle person between God and the people. He's just like a, an intermediary, someone who who brings God to the people and who brings the people to God. So anyone who plays this role, you know, is, you know, is seen as, you know, someone precious to God who deserves prayers, who deserves respect, who deserves love. And the role a priest plays too in Africa, uh, especially in Nigeria, is also respected because, you know, bringing God to the people, giving them the sacrament, preaching to them the message of hope, the message of salvation, telling them to be courageous, telling them, you know, God is at work, no matter the circumstances they experience, and then praying for them and blessing them. Christians appreciate that a lot, you know. And then secondly, from the side of the priest, you know, the priest also here in Nigeria, we appreciate our people because they, they, that sense of, of uh, love they have and the care and support they give to us encourages us, encourages us a lot. You know, so we, we appreciate them for that. And they pray for us seriously and defend us, 
you know, even in hard moments, they do, you know. And our families too, uh, uh, most of them are very, very supportive, you know. However, some families of priests uh, also have difficulties because if, if um, the government is not doing well, for instance, if the government is not paying salaries, is not taking care of the citizens, you know, it's also part of the fam our fam our own families are also part of the suffering and challenges. So, so the same applies to to some families of priests, especially those who are still alive and still in Nigeria here. Okay, <clears throat> so it's a community where. The priest supports the families, and the families support the priests. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you have been in the priesthood for 11 years? Your journey? No, no I'm just eight years this, this year. Eight years? Just, yes. What I'm, what, when I refer to 11 years, is about the formation. Before you become a priest you pass through 11 years experience. Some others, it may be 10, some others, it may be nine, some others, it may be 12, depending on the country where you studied or the state or the seminary or the circumstances within that period of formation. So it's a long year of formation, you know, and then, but for myself, I've been a priest for eight years now. You know? Eight years. Yes, I was ordained on the 28th of June. 28th of June, eight yes. years ago? Yes. How has your journey changed in those eight years? Oh, a lot. <laughs> you know, being a priest is a, is, a, is, a, is a privilege. You know, like one of the saints would say, it is not easy to be a priest for a day. So for someone to be a priest for a week, a month, a year, I think it's, it's a real privilege and I'm grateful for that. So being a priest for eight years, you know, has given me the opportunity to serve at different areas of my priestly life. You know, I've been involved in, in, the, in the sacramental life of the church, the celebrating the Holy Mass, hearing the confessions, you know, praying for people, blessing them, and helping those who are preparing for first holy communion and you know you know teaching at different capacities and getting myself involved in, in youth formation and in so many other things you know is is quite um you know interesting having those experiences and the eight years has been so wonderful because from the first year you are just getting the experience and then the second year you are getting stable in the in the uh, apostolate and then as the years go by you keep you know strengthening your commitment with god and then your your services to humanity and i have been experienced i've been privileged to have those experiences with so many people and you know when you touch people's life you know, you also derive grace from the service. You know, God supports you more and the people also appreciate. And for me, it's been a great experience and I keep thanking God for it. And I pray that the, the future pastoral life will continue to be full of grace and God's accompaniment and 
God's blessings. Yes, that we want the future of priestliness to be filled with grace. Yeah. And that's not always for sure. Sometimes things happen in the world that make it very difficult. Yeah. But in Nigeria, everything right now is okay with priests and moving forward in their mission. Okay. No, no, I didn't get your question. That is a question. Is it, you know, is everything with the mission easy or is it things very, are things tough right now for the mission to be accomplished? Um, I would say it, the, the mission has been beautiful, but not without challenges. Because a priest minister to the people, a priest minister in the community, a priest minister in the church, he ministers in the state or in the in a country. So whatever happens in the country, in that country where he ministers, directly and indirectly affects him. You know, so this is actually the, the reality of my ministry as a priest in the context of, of um, where I am here in Nigeria. You know, when you are praying for people or when you are ministering to the people and they have difficulty, you know, it affects you as a person. It affects you as a person. So, like right now, uh, even though Nigeria is a beautiful country, uh, uh, you need to visit Nigeria. Very yes. beautiful, good people, good heart, uh, good-hearted people, committed Christians. You know, however, our our leadership has not been favorable. You know, the the government has has not been kind to her citizens. So, and this is um, what I mean when I say that what affects the people affects us as priests. You know. Uh, uh, this is not a news because I know you may have, um, you know, gotten yourself informed about the situation presently in Nigeria. No payment of salaries for over eight, uh, seven to eight months. Wow! In, uh, from the um, our university professors and the instability of uh, water, cor uh, current, like electricity, and the uh, high level of corruption. So, if you are a priest you know, in this type of situation. If it does not affect you, then you are not a priest. If you don't feel the pains of people, the worries of people, the challenges of people, then you are not ministering to them, you know, because the best way to minister to people is to feel what they feel, to experience what they experience, to be part of their story. And if you are ministering to people who, ha who have not... Uh, not taking their breakfast or their lunch or their supper, it affects the way you minister to them. It affects your disposition. It, if you see their faces frown and unkept, it affects you too. So this is the situation, you know. Uh, and if they don't have anything, the pressure becomes on you. If there is nothing to eat, the pressure comes to you. So they keep flocking around and asking for support and all that just because the government has not been favorable. 
So this is actually the, in the context of um, the place where we minister, what happens there affect us. And this is actually the situation. So we pray for a better leadership in our country. We pray for um, more commitment, you know, we pray for sincerity of purpose, and uh, we pray for, you know, people to you know, learn to give up selfishness, you know, and then think about others, the welfare of others, especially those who have the authority to make changes. So this is our prayer because I know that if things change, it becomes easier for us to do our work as priests. However, it is at this point of difficulty that our ministry is needed most because we need to tell people, don't take your life. Don't, don't get yourself involved in any form of criminality. Just hold on. Things will be fine. It will be better tomorrow. So there is, there is no need to lose hope you know, because I know that some people in this situation can decide to take their life can decide to get into you know all forms of um, um, dubious things to make ends meet. Uh -huh. But the priest has the responsibility to tell the people to hold on, to be calm, to be strong, that it will be well. And that is what I do. That is what we do as, as priests. Yes, and it's a very important job. Yeah. When... When you say, you know, a priest sacrifices his life for God, then the context he lives in is, you know, there's God all around him. And if it is not, if it's disfavorable for the people, then when you're with it, when you've sacrificed so much for this, for everything around you, it is obvious it, everything they the pain they feel the happiness they feel it okay. it is a part of you too mm. that is i'm sorry to hear that the professors haven't been paid in a few in months is a big challenge it is a big challenge how has nigeria been with covid since COVID came? I think we disappointed the world <laughs> because um, uh, let me just say that so many people predicted that, you know, in Nigeria particularly, there will be, you know, all over the streets, you know, uh, bodies of dead people uh, and all that and all that and all that. But, but God, being so kind, decided to be our healer. You know, I don't know how to put this, but sincerely speaking, um, I don't think we would have managed it if COVID came the way, you know, it came to some other big countries like Europe, America, wouldn't have managed it because America could not manage it uh, easily. Europe could not, China could not, then I don't think Nigeria would have, you know, done as much as they did. So, but this is how grace works. 
sometimes grace works in weakness. Knowing that we don't have the best of hospitals, knowing that we don't have the best of doctors, equipments, facilities of all kinds to take care of this challenge of COVID, God decided to be there for us. And that is why we are grateful. We are grateful, you know. There are some places they never, you know, put on masks. They never took any COVID uh, vaccine. They continued shaking hands, eating together, relating together. COVID came and COVID disappeared and they are still there. So, so this is to tell you that God is behind our story about COVID and we cannot thank him enough. So we, we ask God to, you know, keep providing for us, keep being with us and then to grant eternal rest to those who lost their lives as a result of the pandemic. Wow, that's great that God touched Nigeria with grace during that time. Yeah. And another thing, it is amazing for you as a priest, it is, I think, a part of your practice to recognize where God has been very good to you and to your community and to Nigeria, even if there are difficult times still. Yeah being able to recognize what is good and be grateful for that, it, I think, provides, as and you speak about this, hope to move forward through the more difficult challenges that will always be there. Yeah. What, in your time moving forward, do you hope to accomplish in your priesthood? Yeah, you you know that um, the 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 work of a priest is not actually about accomplishment; it's about service. You know, um, we we are we are not working for promotion. We are not working for salary. We are not working for recognition, but it is totally for service. And and I feel as, as long as we have human beings anywhere in the world, or anywhere in Nigeria, the need for a priest will always be there. So what I'm asking for is my own disposition to render that service without reservation. Secondly, to do it in good health without you know being broken because you know, what affects someone also affects a priest. You know, if there is no good health, then the service will be restricted. So this is what I hope for, to do the work in good health. And then thirdly, to continue to be what God wants me to be in rendering this service, because it is not my work. It is the work of God. And it is God that defines the way the, his work should be. So if one disposes himself and works according to the, the direction of God, that is actually accomplishment. You know? So this is actually what I pray for. Better disposition to do the work, to render service to humanity, to do it in good health, and to work according to the direction of God. So if I'm able to 
you know, work accordingly and in full consciousness of these three, you know, uh, preoccupation or this three undertone of my mission, I think I will be a fulfilled person, you know. So this is uh, my aspiration. This is my expectation in the nearest future, you know. Wow. I hope that you are able, it seems you're, you're fulfilled. Are you fulfilled with your work so far? Ah, you can see it. Yes. <laughs> you can, you can see it. You can judge yourself, you know. Yes. Uh, what, what of us, what of us met in, in, in the United States, uh, I think in August. Yes. Uh, you can see the fulfillment. You know, we interacted a little bit. You can see the fulfillment. Now we are interacting. I'm in Nigeria. I went for my vacation. Now that I'm back to Nigeria, you can see the interaction. You know, our, our flow of communication will actually tell. So I am saying that I don't, I don't, how, you know, I'm so grateful that I made this choice. And if I had made another, I don't think I would have been, you know, fulfilled the way I am today. So that is why I'm, I am full of gratitude to God for helping me and for directing me to make the choice. Yes. At the beginning of the recording, you said, I regret nothing. I, it was, it was all a good decision. So by my yes. judgment, yes, you are fulfilled. Uh, yeah. And one thing I would like to ask is, you you were born and raised in Nigeria. What yeah. what is what do you love about Nigeria? <laughs> um anytime I travel out, I sometimes I feel like coming back because there are so many things I love about Nigeria. Let me begin by saying that Nigeria is my country. I do not have another country. And therefore, I, I think it's an obligation. I have the obligation to love my country. And in loving my country, I will enjoy it more. If I don't love my country and I live in my country, then there will be sadness all over me. So being a Nigerian already makes, creates that space of my attachments to it and my love towards, towards Nigeria. Secondly, um, being born in Nigeria, my parents are living here in Nigeria. My siblings are here in Nigeria. The greater part of me, you know, is found here in Nigeria. Therefore, I don't have any option than to love Nigeria. Thirdly, um, having studied here in Nigeria, I didn't travel out to study. I studied here in Nigeria. My friends, everybody is here, you know. And then I'm a, I'm a, I'm a clarician, a priest ministering in Nigeria. So there are so many things to love. Um, apart from this aspect, you know, Nigeria generally enjoys what I call God's favor. And that is also what I love about it. We don't have so many experiences you guys have. You know, like all this Toledo, hurricane, um, tsunami, uh, tsunami all kinds of things. Oh my God. You know, natural disasters. You can hardly, you can hardly 
hear such a thing, you know, uh, here in Nigeria. You can hardly hear. I've not seen snow before. I've not, uh, you know, I, apart from what I see in the television, I don't know what all these things mean. I've not seen them, and I don't wish to see them. So you see that not, there is a, a kind of natural grace Nigeria enjoys, and we enjoy it as Nigerians. And then uh, there is something uh, special I have come to develop. Nigeria, I call it in a very funny way, a free country. You may not understand this the way I do, but I say Nigeria is a free country. When you travel out, you see that you pay drastically for everything. But here in Nigeria, it's like you enjoy drastically everything, no, not paying much. I'm not neglecting the idea of, um, you know, height of things, price of things in the market that is skyrocketing, fluctuation in the economy, bad governance. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that, you know, when you spend money outside, if you travel to US, to UK, to, you know, so many other countries and see what you pay, if you compare it, if you come back here, you, you, that is, you stop complaining. So, so this is also another aspect of Nigeria that I love. And then finally, let me also say that, you know, culturally speaking, sociologically speaking, you know, you know, politically speaking, and every other thing knows, one's culture has a lot of influence in one's development. So being part of Nigeria, speaking the, the language that everybody understands, understanding also the worldview of people, it makes me to love Nigeria more and more. So there are so many things I love about Nigeria, more than you know, one can actually express in words. So I will keep loving Nigeria <laughs> and praying for a better Nigeria. My guest today has been Marcellus, Marcellinus. Yes. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Marcellinus. Thank you so much. Uh, 